Welcome to another episode of Bot Meets World. Today we'll be going through the world's first AI church service led in Germany. We'll be talking about some open source uh, financial GPT that was unveiled and released. We'll be going into Meta and their open source ambitions. And then I'll be sharing a few fun little apps that I found in the past week. Uh, you'll notice today I... I got some feedback from listeners that I should be, uh, that I should speak slower. And so if you notice me speaking slower today, that is why if you'd like, you can always speed me up in your podcast app by listening at 1.5 or two times speed, but I will do my best today to speak slower and, uh, enunciate my words better. If you have any other feedback, I would love to hear it from you. So please add a comment or shoot me a note on Twitter at Alex Fermansky, or you can always reach me at Alex at magneticventures.xyz. The first story today is this insane, insane event. Uh, it was in Germany and there were about 300 attendees of an AI-led church service. So this was scripted and voiced by AI, and this was a 40-minute uh, sermon of prayer, of music, of blessings. And the feedback was, of course, mixed. There were certainly many people who e expressed how uh, powerful and, and, and immersive this was. And then a few other folks were displeased and said it lacked the humanity. To me, the story is not about AI leading a sermon. That's a ways away. I actually believe that AI will infiltrate religion in a different way. In other words, I foresee and it's already happening today, pastors, priests, rabbis, using ChatGPT, using other AI services to help craft, to help write their sermons. So we, we won't even know that AI is writing the sermons, but it will be doing it behind the scenes. And then over time, I posit that our leaders will not just use it to assist them in writing sermons, but actually uh, let the AI write the most optimal sermon for that day or that week, and the human will then recite it to us in a very human way. That will be phase two. And then phase three down the line will be what we're seeing, what we saw this week, which is an actual AI just writing and voicing its own sermons. Because we'll realize at that point, well, why do we even need a human figurehead if they're just reading the AI? The AI? Same thing will apply to politics and this is a bit dystopian. I totally understand that, but it's hard to compare the mind of one person to the combined intelligence of all the world's knowledge, which is basically what LLMs have. Today, that seems a bit unfathomable or at least hard to believe, but imagine if you consider how far these LLMs have gone in the past even six months, in the past 12 months, you consider what will happen in the next decade. Uh, not just to their ability to creatively write strong and powerful messaging, but also their ability to create realistic voices. I covered on the last pod uh, Google's new conversational voice model, and it is incredible. It is uncanny. It sounds completely human, very expressive. And again, these are just the first, second, third innings. There are a lot of innings left to go in this AI journey. And you'll see, I'm sure of it in the next year or two, AIs that can voice with such expression that we just cannot believe 
that it is not a real human. So this is just the beginning. It's a bit dystopian. I'm sorry to start on such on such dystopian news, but this is something that is happening in religion and in politics. For the next topic, I wanted to shift gears to OpenAI, and they released a big change to their APIs, which enables function calling. Now, for to explain this, let's imagine you are a developer, and you're trying to create some kind of app that will summarize articles. So a user puts in the URL to an article or a news story, and you query the OpenAI uh, API, or in other words, you query the OpenAI large language model to return back to you a summary of the article and maybe five key takeaways from the article. And what you want to do with that is then take those pieces, the summary and the five takeaways, and display them back to the user in, in the app that, you, that the user is using that you're creating. Now, you need to be able to pass each of those key takeaways into some kind of function that then displays it in the iPhone app or on the browser. Sounds easy enough, except that LLMs can't be trusted. In other words, they're not as consistent with their output. It could be that the LLM returns those five takeaways as bullets. They could be numbered bullets. They could be five sentences all in a row in one paragraph. It is not deterministic the formatting in which those takeaways will be returned back to you. With this big update, you can ensure that when the LLM responds to you, it will actually format those five takeaways as arguments or as, as pieces, as formatted fragments that get passed directly into your function. So this lets developers create an interface between the functions that, that they have that users interact with and the back and forth with the large language models. This might not sound like a very big deal to people who are not developers, but if you're a developer, this is really monumental because now you can rely on using LLMs like OpenAI's GPT 3.5 or, or 4 to return back to you some kind of data, some kind of information, some kind of result, and, and you can rely on consistently pulling that result into the next part of your function flow. So this will lead to much richer experiences, much more stable and consistent experiences within apps that are built on top of OpenAI's APIs. And I'm sure that Google's BARD or, or POM2 model and, and Anthropics model will follow suit because developers really need this. Next, we have FinGPT. FinGPT is an open source financial LLM. In other words, they took the standard Llama LLM that we, that we covered before. This is the LLM produced by Meta, by uh, Facebook. And they fine-tuned on top of it based on all the various knowledge specifically in the financial sector. So we're talking things like Yahoo Finance, CNBC, filings with the SEC, subreddits on Reddit related to finance, gathering trends from Google Trends and from Seeking Alpha, and taking all those data sets, all specifically related to finance, and fine-tuning this model on that data. The reason this is important is that now you could use this model to 
more accurately analyze financial statements. You can use this model to more accurately predict movements in stock price or movements in commodity prices based on data that you're seeing in the market. So if you think about the standard ChatGPT or the standard large language model that, that's kind of trained on, on the whole universe of the world, it's, it's basically as good as the average human is at doing most things, including trading on the stock market or analyzing financials. But here, you've now fine-tuned this so that the model is as good as an expert in the world of finance. So I suspect more and more apps will come out and use this. And I predict you won't see most of these apps because the ones who are using this thin GPT are probably hedge funds or traders who are developing their own trading systems based on this model. And hopefully, well, for their benefit, making a lot of money. Okay, next we'll go back to Meta. And Meta has released this open source AI-powered music generator. It's a bit silly. Here I put in as an example, I want an EDM with Garth, with Garth Brooks country music. And here's what it sounds like. I mean, I hear the EDM, not sure I hear the country music. That's not the point. That's not why I'm bringing this up. I'm bringing this up because it is one example of the direction where Meta is going. And if you believe what's written in the information.com, and I, I do in this case, uh, Meta actually it wants to open source its models and wants to release its weightings and really let the community explore based on their internal research. As you know, OpenAI has been much more closed off. They're keeping all their models proprietary. The same thing with Google's POM2 models. You can access it through an API, but you can't actually create your own models or build your own models on top of theirs. Meta is going the opposite direction. They've already open sourced their Llama model, and then the weights for the Llama model were leaked separately, which basically allows any developer in the world to, to train their own LLM in the same uh, capacity as Meta did with their super, super powerful Llama model. And now they're basically making a commitment to go forward in this path and make things more open source and enrich the open source community around the world of hackers, of creators, of doers, of builders to build on top of their models. And then Meta would obviously be the one to support all of this. And as with most open source projects, create some kind of layer, a service layer to make money off of this. So what you're seeing is a big dichotomy, a big rift between the views, let's say by uh, Google and OpenAI who want to keep things closed and Meta that is betting on making things open. The EU and the US might follow is very much focused on keeping things closed. And their argument is saying, well, if we let this technology out in the open, who knows how it will be used? Nefarious actors around the world might use these models to do very terrible, uh, bad things like influence elections. And Meta's argument, I, I assume, will be something along the lines of, come on guys, it's already out there. We, we might as well uh, support it and, and focus on enriching our community and allowing and supporting these builders and doers around the world to make incredible advances using AI. So those are the two camps and we'll see who wins in the end. Uh, there's probably a lot of lobbying happening behind the scenes, 
by all these entities going to Washington. And, you know, I, I, I should mention that there are reasons to close a system beyond just protecting against nefarious actors. If you are one of the big leaders in the space right now, it is in your best interest to have closed systems because that stops any new entrants from coming in and becoming a rival. If you're open AI, if you are uh, Google and, and, and you believe that you are the leaders in the space, if you have a closed system, it's very hard for a new entrant to come in and build their own large language model. Whereas if you're meta and you open source it, then in theory, someone else can, can come around and compete directly with open AI, compete directly with Google and Meta and everyone else with their own uh, LLM model. So there are aspects here to uh, close the system to prevent nefarious action, but there's also a bit of nefarious or dubious thinking by the folks who are asking to keep it closed because it protects their leading position in the market. All right, that was all pretty heavy. I'm going to go lighter here and share this funny app I found. It's called Love stories.fyi love stories.fyi and what they basically did was they let users uh, ask any questions about relationships so think about um, those kind of relationship advice columns you find in newspapers or magazines and then they generate a series of personas of bots who then go ahead and answer that question and it's it's pretty funny I, I enjoy it. It feels very like tabloidy. Like for example, this is, is someone who is asking about their ex and you see the series. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see a series of, I don't know, 10 different personas, uh, with little bots, all uh, responding and giving advice on what this, this user should do in their love life. Super cute, super fun. You should try it. And if not, if you don't even try it for yourself, it's fun to read all the comments. This literally is replacing what you would find if you grabbed some random magazine off the rack as you're going through checkout at the supermarket. So really funny implementation. Some other apps I wanted to discuss are, let's say, super normal and super powered. And there is a slew of these apps coming out now. But basically, these are apps that listen into your meetings, whether it's on Zoom or Teams or Google Meet. And they will do the transcription and do the summarizations and give you uh, some key takeaways. So they're basically using, I assume, the Whisper APIs to transcribe the conversation and then using OpenAI's APIs to write the summaries and uh, construct any action items uh, as well. This is all great. I used one of these this week. I think Zoom actually has now a built-in AI bot that you can use right inside of Zoom itself. So you don't even need a third party. I think this is a great example of some th of a theme that we've discussed several times, which is that AI favors the incumbents. There are going to be, there are already, there's at least a dozen companies that do this and there are going to be even more. There are no moats, right? There's no reason why another company can't come in and just build the exact same thing on top of the APIs I just mentioned uh, that will have the exact same feature set. This is really a race to the bottom. So whether you're super normal, super powered or any of these other apps, eventually this is a race to just low profitability because they're all directly competing with each other and there are very low switching costs. If I have the transcripts for my first five meetings in app A and my next five meetings in app B, it really doesn't hinder me that much. It's, it's pretty easy to switch across. And so instead what this favors is, well, if you're a Zoom, you just build this into your own Zoom platform. Or if you're Google or Microsoft, 
you could just offer this as an extra add-on to the existing business apps feature for an extra two, three, five dollars a month. You undercut the pricing of these new entrants like Supernormal or Superpowered or the dozen others, and you win because you already have the customers and your clients are already in that network of be it Zoom or Google or Microsoft apps and all the data lives in the same ecosystem. I would recommend today, perfectly fine, go out, use these apps. They're really helpful. They're great for keeping track of your meetings. There's some caution here around the, the legality. So I think there's about seven, eight, nine, ten 10 states or so that require double opt-in. So everyone on the call should know if their voice is being recorded. And there's also some thought to consider around legal ramifications, depending on what you're discussing. For example, if you're speaking with your attorney, then is this protected by attorney-client privilege? So I wouldn't use this for very sensitive conversations, but if you're just having a basic team meeting or, or catching up with your friends, then I think this is a fine solution to, to try out and see if you like it. All right, that's it for today's pod. I'll catch you next week.